Hello, I'm Jamie Bricker. And I'm Carol Bricker. And you are listening to Bricker by Bricker, a podcast to support parents with building productive partnerships between the home and the school. And throughout the past year, Carol and I have tried to share our experiences as both parents and educators to help all parents address key issues that inevitably come up throughout the course of the school year. And now we've transitioned into summertime, and and now that the school year's been over for a couple of weeks, really have kind of thought it'd be a great time to discuss ways that parents can help ensure that their kids have decompressed from that school year and to really have a, a great summer. Because before we know it, you know, we're going to be getting recharged again for uh, getting back to school in September. Well, as you know, Carol, I think decompression is a great way to describe it. As July is all about getting your child to relax, kind of take a breath and enjoy you know, changes in routines and have some more freedom and flexibility. And, and obviously, depending on the age of the child, that kind of freedom could regard be with regards to curfews being adjusted, bedtimes you know, just a little bit later, and wake-up times a little bit later, too. Particularly for our older Oh, our no, kids. Maybe a lot later for some yeah. of them. But in other words, really a time for some nice, relaxing changes to that kind of hectic daily life. Mm-hmm. Well, really, it, it is a great time to get kids off of that strict schedule. Not that routines aren't important to continue, but you know, to be a little bit more flexible there and and give the family also that time to decompress from the go, go, go. I think you raise a really good point. It's not a question of having no summer routines. It's just that they're a lot more flexible than during the school year. Mm-hmm. And, and so when we look at the summer holidays and look at the activities that kids are going to be involved in, variety is better than, than having a schedule that's just crammed full of maybe one sport or, cr- or crammed full with a lot of sports that, you know, it's more about exposing our kids to different activities. And because really, when we look at it, you know, in a lot of cases, less is definitely better than more. Well, and as you know, Carol, for all of us, variety really is the spice of life. Mm -hmm. And that certainly applies to your kids and, and summer planning. And There's no doubt about it that all of our students now are not going to have that daily exposure to classmates or kids out in the schoolyard with those kind of intense, deeper relationships. So the quality of relationships over the summer really isn't the same depth. However, we have to be aware of the fact that the quantity of possible connections, and of course there, as you know, we don't mean relationships per se, we just mean connections with people with today's technology and kids having more time to, maybe a little bit more restless time, maybe a little bit more time on their own to kind of explore these avenues of making connections. I think it's really important today that one of our main focus areas is how to ensure our kids are appropriately using social media. Well, definitely during the summer, that's one way that that kids are connecting with their their friends or or their followers. Uh, I'll say, um, and they certainly are spending more time on social media. So you raise a really good distinction, though. Like they're acquiring a, potentially a whole lot more followers who aren't their friends. Definitely, and, and of course, that's where we have to get some clarification. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And and so it's important really for for parents to keep informed about what their children are doing and what they're using, what you know, with the technology and the apps nowadays, they're constantly changing. And this really makes it difficult for parents to keep up with their kids. Well, and as you know, and as we know as parents ourselves looking back on, on different kind of similar issues, which of course are even more intense now a couple decades later. Oh, certainly, because when our kids were that age, really Facebook, very limited just coming Facebook was the only real uh, social media venue that they had. Very true. But even in those days, we started these conversations and we're just kind of stressed that they're all the more important nowadays. Mm-hmm. But to really at young ages, talk with your kids about the pros and cons of various apps and really kind of have, we talk about routines, we'll have a routine established in your household for where is this technology going to be utilized in some kind of open kind of, you know, almost mm-hmm. kind of public kind of place in the household rather than hidden in their bedroom. And related to that, of course, as you well know, is the technology hours. Like we have to kind of a, try to uh, ensure that it's being used at appropriate times of day and it's not something your son or daughter is doing at three in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And th- I think it's really important. And, you know, Carol, I've said this to our own boys a-, a lot of times, and I've said it both as teacher and administrator to loads of students over the years. But in all of these technological options, I just think students don't really truly grasp that once they get their thoughts and their videos and images out there, the ultimate audience to see it is truly endless. And the timeline, that material may truly be out there, quote, forever. Forever, definitely. Which really leads well into this podcast that I recently listened to and recommended that you listen to as well. It was excellent. It it was excellent. And it was called uh, Class Act Updates in Educational Law. Now, it is a U.S.-based podcast, but... Same principles. You know, a lot of it applied because what they were talking about in, in this particular podcast was around the apps and the technology and how people use and misuse it. And what's uh, important for parents, I think, is that this technology, it wasn't available when, when definitely when we were growing up, but even a lot of parents, it wasn't available for when they were growing up. And so those those conflicts, the bullying and the, the sense of predators, they were all face-to-face interactions. So you could see that it was happening. And what's happening now with the the cyberbullying and the cyber predators is you know parents aren't seeing it and and aren't seeing you know the effect that it could be having it's a really good point about the face to face aspect of things because looking back when we were kids and for a big chunk of our teaching careers most bullying was really kind of based in, in some kind of physical altercation And it also had a very limited audience. There's only really the people who were right there at the time. Yes, there'd be some gossip afterwards, but still a pretty limited audience. Well, of course, social media has changed the ballgame completely because now, of course, people can hide with kind of this anonymity with their device or their screen at home or whatever. And they don't have to face the other party literally face to face. So that makes, of course, people feel a whole lot braver, as if they can kind of say anything without consequence. And therefore, boy, oh boy, over the last few years, the stakes have really continued to rise in terms of very threatening, highly inappropriate comments. 
So cyberbullying has really, I think, had a really deep, lasting emotional impact on the victims. Oh, oh, certainly, certainly. So when we go back to this podcast that I referred to, what they did was they looked at various apps and talked about what were those intended purposes, but then also how have they've been misused and one of the apps that they focused on was snapchat which i think a majority of the audience would be familiar with in the sense that you can post videos and pictures and send them to specific recipients and that it only uh, stays for a short period time because it disappears and i put you know uh, quotes around that disappears because in, in actuality, it doesn't necessarily disappear as maybe some of, of the kids using it are thinking. Because what could happen is whoever they send that video or, or picture to, they could do a screenshot of it and then resend it on to a variety of other people that they're totally unaware that that's happening. And then also with this app because of that disappear quality sometimes people are sexting using it because they think it's only going to be out there for a short period of time and only the person that they're sending it to is going to be seeing it but that's not necessarily the case and certainly in a school context as my years as an administrator kind of coming back to me in this particular scenario or related situations you're absolutely right the sexting and similar activities was a real problem and it continues to be a real problem um, because an awful lot of these situations are driven by kind of, oh, I would call it emotional revenge Mm -hmm. where people uh, have a, you know, students have a connection or relationship and uh, everything's great for a few weeks or a few months. And over the course of time, they may have exchanged things which were inappropriate and highly personal, whether it's visual or something they've written. But then when the relationship ends, one party in particular always seems to be very hurt and very much kind of out for revenge potentially. And all of a sudden they start really freely sharing these things that the other party thought, as you say, either had quote disappeared or would never be seen or heard from again. Oh, definitely. So, you know, we really need to make sure our kids are aware and and they're thoughtful about what they're they're posting. So another uh, app that they discussed was Instagram. And, and again, very similar to Snapchat, although this disappear quality, uh, you know, isn't part of that. But similar in the sense that people can take what is sent to them and quickly share it with large qu- quantities of people. And which brings us to another point, and we kind of alluded to it in the beginning, is that, you know, you have to be really thoughtful and aware of who your followers are, because not everybody is presenting their profile in that true form and and really sharing what their purpose is for it. And with a lot of these um, apps, the person can just choose to follow you. You don't have a choice as to who's following. And to me, that's very unsettling when you think about it, because I think we tend to kind of fixate on who we may follow, but not give nearly enough thought as to who's potentially following us. Mm -hmm. Now, another app is Ask FM. And once again, it was really originally designed for a really nice purpose where it, it was intended for people to pose questions and get answers, which of course has a really good applications. Unfortunately, over time, some cyber 
bullies have really taken advantage of it and got into questions such, such as, quote, why are you so stupid? You know, why are you so ugly or fat? That type of thing, which, of course, once again, are technically questions, but of course, have really triggered deep emotional scarring. And, and wasn't the purpose behind the app. Absolutely. Now, we must give Ask FM full credit. They, they have implemented security features to help really effectively address these issues. Mm -hmm. So give them their due. And and I don't think we said at the beginning we're not we're not uh, looking to malign any of these apps. It's more to make you aware, the audience aware that what the app was sent up for one purpose. However, you know, throughout time, it's being used for other purposes. Correct. But we're, we're red flagging common misuses of the apps. We don't mean to be slinging the arrows at the absolute mm -hmm. state. That's a really good point. And just making parents aware. No, good point. You know, these are things to be watchful of. And, you know, it could be these apps today and totally different apps tomorrow that that they just need to be aware of what their kids are using. Because another one, very simple one was Musical.ly. And, and, you know, it was just a fun app so that kids could lip sync and dance to a song or, or sing the song. And the video was created. And then they could then send that and share it with, you know, their, their followers. And uh, however, you know, there were instances where it was used for sexualized dancing and sexualized music and again you're putting kids are putting these things out there not knowing who's actually going to be seeing it and who's actually going to be putting it forward to other people and the reality is all of these apps are here to stay Mm -hmm. And we know both as parents and educators, Carol, that it's really vital that we're all vigilant and have ongoing conversations with our kids about the safe use of social media. And I think it's also really important to discuss with our kids what to do, what to actually do if they, in fact, feel bullied or being followed by someone inappropriately and or someone they just don't feel comfortable with or someone they don't trust or really know. I think that's a really important conversation. Definitely. And, and really, you know, as we said, it's around setting those boundaries for technology, whether it's the phone, whether it's the iPad or the computer, making sure that you're aware of the apps that your kids are using or kids are downloading and really having conversations on an ongoing basis with your children about what is happening with technology, how they're using technology, how they can use it safely, and starting these conversations when kids are young and you know setting those parameters when they're young so that then you know they're better able to use them appropriately as they get older. Absolutely. So I, I just want to remind uh, you know our listeners that the the podcast that we're referring to is Class Act Updates in Education Law, and really recommend that they have a listen because they certainly go into much more detail than than we definitely did. Very well worth it. Now, in addition to the many possible concerns related to social media usage, another huge issue, certainly throughout the summer in particular, can be children's lack of physical activity. And when we looked at it, and we certainly discussed physical activity in a previous podcast, 
But experts say that toddlers, young children, and teenagers really should get a minimum of one hour a day of moderate to physical activity. So it's really important for families to look for those ways that their kids can be active. And once again, we are certainly not recommending that people go out and break the bank because there are lots of inexpensive fun options throughout mm-hmm. the summer. Parks programs run wonderful different kind of sports and clubs and teams. There's also daily park programs with the old, you know, park soupy. I was a park stuff. soupy way back when. Way <laughs> back when. Dear. And I'm sure you were a super, super soupy. Oh, yeah. And of course, park programs also offer swimming lessons, as do other facilities. And parents, I think, once again, as we've said throughout our podcast on different issues, you know, Carol, it's critical that they walk to talk. Mm. So if parents really lead an active kind of, you know, physically motivating life, then it's great for the kids to see. And I think kids naturally pick up on the notion that exercise is fun. Let's go swim together. Let's play a little tennis. Let's go for a bike ride. Let's go for a walk. And certainly ourselves, we look back many years when our kids were younger, we spent an awful lot of time at neighborhood parks using their various facilities. And we used so many parks that, of course, we ended up naming them. The one that had the big slide that we always got stuck in, Traffic Jam Park. The one with the very nice multicolored kind of semicircle around its water area, Rainbow Park. And then things that have got a little less creative were things like Green and Yellow Park. But a lot of great memories and a lot of great fun. And we certainly all have heard that adage about the healthy body, healthy minds. And so there's lots of fun ways to keep your kids curious and creative in the summer as well. And Again, they don't have to be in a classroom to be learning every day. There's so much that can be happening in the home and through discussions. Oh, absolutely. Just as physical fitness is important, as you say, the intellectual fitness is equally important. And depending on the age of your child, like it's important to discuss current events, like the recent earthquakes in Western Canada and the Western states. Well, discuss like what are the possible causes? Uh, What did your kids think of the various responses of by certain levels of government were they appropriate underdone overdone and also looking ahead like could the impact of these earthquakes be minimized in the future things of that nature and uh, something else parents can be doing is planning different excursions you know going to the zoo or science centers or you know going for hikes you know whatever it is that's your child's interest because this is such a great time for kids to have that opportunity to really delve into the things that they are interested in they are interested in of course is the key phrase and as you know carol we've always really agreed on the adage that it was the parents role to really expose kids to a variety of different experiences and options but then it's up to the child to decide which ones they wish to explore and the bottom line is parents cannot impose upon their child what the child wishes to explore that's a personal decision and then when it comes down to reading and we're certainly very strong advocates of those opportunities where you're reading with your child your child's reading on on their own and and also for kids to be seeing parents reading because this gives such a great opportunity for them to talk about the different uh, storylines and what's happening in their books and what do they think you know is going to be happening but 
you know, I think what's really important is not what the child is reading, but the child is that the child is reading and reminds me of this tweet that I saw through MindShift and it was all on graphic novels and how sometimes parents are hesitant for kids to be reading the graphic novels because they view them as comic books. But if that's that starting piece that gets your child into kind of that love of reading, then I say expose them to that, but then take those opportunities where maybe you are reading together something of a different different nature different genre. genre well much like a physical fitness nothing's more powerful with the reading once again than having mom and dad model it now throughout all of these summer activities obviously uh, safety is of primary importance and certainly safety and supervision around roadways and bodies of water are really going to be always i think be at the top of the parental concern list particularly during these summer months well and and i saw a video most recently of a family and they had put this temporary fencing around the pool for the safety of their children but the gate on it hadn't been properly shut and their little toddler got behind the you know through the gate open gate and into the pool now the good news is that dad fortunately was right there and jumped in and was able to to save the child. But it's that constant reminder. And that was the reason the video was put out there for that reminder to parents that, you know, you always have to be vigilant. And when you put up the safety equipment or any safety equipment you're using with your kids, it needs to be used correctly. And there's no guarantee the equipment is safe without constant supervision. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, of course, related to water, more so now of the natural variety, is boating safety. And it's really important that everyone on the boat is wearing a PFD or a personal flotation device at all times. And another great opportunity for parents to model that great safety. You know, Absolutely. It, it can't be, you know, the kids have to wear it, but I That's don't That's an excellent to. point. Excellent point. And then when it comes to riding bikes great time for families to be doing it, that activity together, but making sure that we have the bike helmets, that we're, you know, reviewing the riding rules and that particularly with our young kids, making sure that we're accompanying them when they are riding. And particularly the last few years, we've all read and seen so many issues, it seems, between cars and cyclists, that it's really important to kind of um, make your kids very well aware of all the rules of the road. Now, clearly, Carol, we're dating ourselves and we say like the days of kids running around with their buddies all evening in the summer mm. and coming home when the streetlights came on, which I certainly did hundreds of times way back when. Oh, I think we all did. You know, those days, unfortunately, for various reasons, largely safety, those days realistically are gone mm -hmm. and unfortunately may well be gone forever. But I, I know you'd agree that the challenge of the quote-unquote modern parent is how to provide those kind of unstructured play opportunities for their children over the summer, sometimes by themselves, sometimes with siblings and parents, sometimes with friends, and yet still provide those opportunities within kind of a safe environment. And that's really, I, I confess, that's a challenge. Oh, it is a challenge. I know when our kids were younger, it was always trying to coordinate these play dates and, you know, the kids coming over. But it really is a great opportunity for kids to have that 
time to apply those social skills that we're constantly teaching them and and to continue to learn. Well, it's a great way to uh, uh, the whole concept of compromise. Mm-hmm. I think you learn it so much more kind of a genuine uh, context when you're playing with your friends, compromising and sharing. Otherwise, they don't wish to play with you. And of course, another great option are sleepovers. And it's a wonderful way to invite over both present and potentially future classmates to really for you as a parent to get to know these other kids better, Mm -hmm. but also to allow you to really get to know your friends' parents a whole lot better. Oh, definitely. A win-win situation where you're not only getting to know the kids, but you're getting to know the parents. But then sleepovers also provide those opportunities for a little creativity, uh, you know, creating forts maybe in the backyard that the kids are going to sleep out in or, or you know, different outdoor kind of activities and games that they could be playing that, that the kids have created. Well, once again, it's an example of kind of that unstructured play opportunity that I was just referring to. And yet the overall backyard is structured, of course, mm-hmm. but what the kids are actually doing, doing. isn't. Definitely, definitely. And then the last thing that we wanted to talk about today, you know, was looking at chores and responsibilities. And these aren't things that just can be happening over the summer, but certainly allows kids more opportunities uh, because they have more time. But looking at, you know, who is going to be the one taking out the garbage or cutting the grass? Kids need to be responsible for their own bedrooms and maintaining those. And we have seen throughout our reading that there's been lots of discussion around whether or not kids should be paid for doing chores or not. You're quite right, Carol. And as you and I both found out, the experts are pretty clear that parents should not equate chores to an allowance. Um, In other words, the chores are really an expectation that the child should have placed upon them. Because being part of a family. Well, he or she is part of the family. And these are things families do. And and as part of the family, we all do X, Y, and Z. And uh, whereas an allowance, uh, it really is a powerful way of teaching kids all about money management and about budgeting and, of course, about saving. And, And I think really another important thing is the kind of deferred gratification where they want something, but it's going to take three or four months of Mm -hmm. saving. And I also think in closing, Carol, that we have really experienced this as parents on numerous occasions. When your child is saving their allowance for something, we can't judge what that you know, what that purchase is going to be. We can't determine the value through our eyes. It's the value through their eyes that matters. And it's a great learning experience for kids with relatively inexpensive items that, you know, whether or not there's long-term value to what they have purchased. And it's a great way for kids to recognize that this may be a desire today but it maybe wasn't the best value for my money. Yeah, you're right. The trendy item may have a very short shelf life. Mm-hmm. But you're right. That's a really important lesson moving forward. So then kind of going back, as we kind of got off on the, you know, the, the chore piece, but having a, a schedule posted on the fridge is a great way to make it very visible to all. And there aren't any surprises. And really, you know, it reduces that need to nag 
It's transparent. Everyone knows. And and having that discussion with the kids around the schedule before you finalize it. And it's not that, you know, you need to do it at this hour, or this minute, but, you know, at some point in time today or at some point in time this week, the expectation is that, that you will do whatever your chore is. And we hope everyone in your household has found the first few weeks of summer vacation to be a whole lot of fun. And hopefully some of the information and reminders we've discussed today will help ensure that your kids stay active and stimulated throughout the remainder of the summer. And in our next podcast, we're going to look at some ways to help your kids get ready to return to school in a very positive manner. And as always, if you have questions or comments, please email us at info at jamiebricker.com or contact us through our website at www.brickerbybricker.com. And please remember that you can always follow us on Voice Ed Radio. And if you have another format that you are using, we are also available on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, and many more. And we look forward to connecting with you next time on Bricker by Bricker. Bricker.